You're listening to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe, and I'm a business coach for online health coaches who want to attract their ideal clients, stop feeling defeated by their never-ending to-do list, balance a healthy lifestyle with their growing business, and stop overanalyzing what everybody thinks of them so that they can confidently own their message and online presence. On this podcast, we dive deep into health information you can share with your clients, business strategy tips, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, and thank you so much for listening to Health Coach Nation. I'm really excited about the episode we are about to dive into with Thaddeus Owen, but before we do, I just want to give you a heads up that today's episode is focused on how you can be a healthier business owner, how you can set your environment up to be healthier, and how you can maybe use these tips with your clients. So I think what you're going to hear today is going to be new information to you. You might have to listen twice to get all of it sunk in, but I just wanted to let you know we're taking a break from business tips to make you a healthier business owner. All right, let's get to the show. I'm here with Thaddeus Owen from Primal Hacker, and Thaddeus and I both did the Human Potential Coach Training Program. We were in the first group of coaches, and Thaddeus is really an expert on all things light, light health, biohacking, nutrition. Thaddeus, why don't you give us a quick background on your expertise? Sure. Thanks, Haley. It's uh, great to be on the podcast and always good to see you again after a few years away from coaching and seeing you a few times a year at the conferences. So yeah, my background, I've got a pretty diverse background. I have a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering and I spent 10 years developing pharmaceutical products. So edible pharmaceutical products for kids and adults. And then I have a, a degree in holistic nutrition. So I have a master's degree in holistic nutrition I have a personal training certification, and then I did the holistic um, health certification through a number of other programs as well. That Some of them are defunct now, so I won't go through all the names of those. Um, and then, of course, the Bulletproof Coach training, which is now the human potential training. So basically, lots of deep diving into health, fitness, nutrition, all things health and longevity. Awesome. And you used to work in the pharmaceutical industry, actually, right? So you weren't really on the preventative side of health in the beginning. Tell us more about that and how you kind of got into your whole journey. Yeah, of course. So I spent the first 10 years of my career developing biotech and pharmaceutical products. So for some really big pharmaceutical companies and then some startup firms. But eventually what was happening is I found myself standing at the top of a 10,000 gallon batch. So you could swim in this thing. It was a huge batch of product. It was all for children. And I was dumping in a fiber packed drum of ingredients with skull and crossbones on it. So this is basically a carcinogen, a poison. There's skull and crossbones on it. I had to protect myself by wearing personal protective equipment. And yet I'm dumping this into a children's product. Um, so between that and the high fructose corn syrup that we were putting in up to the laxation point. So basically, if you think about as much high fructose corn syrup as you can eat as a child, and if you eat any more, you're going to have diarrhea. We would put that much into a pharmaceutical. So if your kid has like a gummy bear after that, they're basically over the, the point where they're going to get diarrhea. Um, we were adding that much high fructose corn syrup and red dye number 41 and whatever it was. And I, I just got to the point where I couldn't do that anymore. So I originally tried to work through the pharmaceutical companies to make more natural products. But at the end of the day, they 
they didn't have a lot of interest in that. So I had to find my own path um, doing some other type of work. So that's, of course, where I, I actually quit the pharmaceutical world. I went into the furniture industry, which is where I still reside today. And I'm the guy that keeps all the toxic chemicals out of office furniture. So I consult to Facebook and Google and others to help them understand where toxic chemicals are in building products and furniture, and then help them design healthier spaces for their people. So it fits really well with my passion for health, fitness, nutrition, and longevity. So I basically combine my knowledge of lighting science, circadian biology, fitness, nutrition with my job of keeping toxic chemicals out of furniture products. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing turnaround. I'm sure you feel a lot better doing what you do today <laughs> than what you used to do as far as living in alignment with your values. So that's really awesome. And I am so excited to talk to you today about something that we don't really know is toxic to us. And I think that's really overlooked, which has to do with, well, let me ask you, tell me what you think the most overlooked aspect of our health is. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that there's an overlooked aspect that almost nobody knows about, and it's probably going to be the biggest health concern of the next 10 to 15 years. Um, it's going to be what cigarettes were back in the 80s. So everyone is going to know about this, yet today everybody doesn't even think about it, and that's light. And so it's not just you know the light that's around you, but everyone knows the light from their computer screens, the light from your devices the light from your iPads, all of that may have a negative effect. Some people are starting to hear, turn off your devices before bed, but everything from the lighting that we turn on in the bathroom and our kitchens and our living rooms to the lighting that's at work, the lighting that's in our car, the street lights, all of those have a huge negative impact on us. And what most people don't understand is that all of these things that contain light contain information that our body uses. So I think the biggest thing that's misunderstood about light is things like Wi-Fi, microwave radiation from cell phones. Those are all just light frequencies. And all of that, we know cell phones contain information because those radio frequencies and the microwave frequencies that are sent from cell phone to cell phone contain data, text messages, emojis, whatever that is. So little packets of information are contained in light. Well, the light from the overhead lighting, our devices and the sun, also give information signals to our body. And most people are completely overlooking what those signals are doing to us today. Wow. Okay. So let's start with just the lights in our house and in our indoor environments, in our offices and stuff. Why is that bad? And what do you think are the health concerns? And are these validated by science? Yeah, so that's the, the so the really interesting thing, taking your last question first, there's thousands of studies on the detrimental effects of artificial light on human biology, animal biology as well, but we care mostly right now on indoor lighting for human biology. We've become largely an indoor species. So if you think about how humans have been through all of human history, we've been outdoors in the elements like the trees, the plants, and the other animals. None of the other trees, plants, and other animals are covering themselves with tarps, living indoors disconnected from the earth like we are, and yet we do that and expect ourselves to be optimally healthy. And so what's happening is why are these things bad for us? Well, lighting in itself is not bad for us. So lighting from the sun is extremely healthy. We've been under that and our body 
and our biology is optimized to use light energy for information to keep us healthy. So we are basically humans that live under the sun and that sun teaches us how to be healthy by telling our body to produce the right hormones at the right time. However, when you move us indoors and we use artificial lighting, if you think of all of human history, we've been exposed to what after dark? Basically firelight and moonlight or darkness, and that's it. Only in the last 100 years or so have we been under the Edison light bulb. So that's the incandescent light bulb that's now banned in the U.S. because it's too uh, energy inefficient. Wow, uh, yeah. And so that light bulb actually had some benefits uh, on an indoor environment. And so over, only over the last 10 years or so, we've switched out all our light bulbs to LED, compact fluorescent, fluorescent. And then, of course, we're bombarded by more and more devices, the lights, the LED light from devices. There's numerous studies, like I said, thousands of studies that tell us why that artificial light, both at night and during the day, is harmful to our health. So there's no scientific debate about that. Um, but there's very little knowledge in the mainstream about that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we are listening to this thinking, okay, shoot. Well, I work in an office and I have fluorescent lights at my office. Or for me, example, I'm going to get really selfish here and ask your advice. Um, I sing in a band and we're out till the wee hours of the early morning <laughs> under lots of lights. And so what do we do to either counteract this or just start to protect ourselves a little bit? Yeah. So I, the, there's a number of things. There's tons of things that are very easy to do and very accessible. I will say the, the people that have the hardest time with protecting themselves and are at the highest risk for cancer, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and mitochondrial dysfunction are those people that play in bands all night and under very intense lights and night shift workers. So anybody who is exposed to artificial light at night, especially if it's their profession, that is a class 2B human carcinogen. So it's there's no debate about light at night being damaging. It's actually classified as a carcinogen. So we know that uh, it's proven that people have higher instances of diabetes, uh, obesity, heart disease, cancer, and other diseases um, for working night shift. So the, the people most studied are, of course, nurses working on night shift. It's easiest to draw their blood and put them into studies. And so we've only studied uh, breast cancer and prostate cancer. Those are the only two we've studied, and they're significantly increased in night shift workers. So um, if you work a night shift or if you're exposed to light at night, the things that you can do, of course, if you don't work a night shift, there's lots of things we can talk about that are separate than if you have to work at night. So if you work at night, the number one thing to do is cover your eyes. So the number one way our body gets information about what time of day it is and create free radical species within our body is through our eye. So the, our eye is designed to take in sunlight and tell us what time of day it is and what hormones we're going to produce. If we produce the wrong hormones at the wrong time of the day, that leads to sickness and dysfunction within our body. So when we receive a signal that it's noon in the middle of the summer on the equator, and it's really nighttime, our body gets very dysregulated. And the more we do that, the more misinformation the body gets, and the misinformation is what leads to disease within the body. So some people call that inflammation, reactive oxygen species, free radicals, all of that the body can clean up. But if it gets the wrong information, it can't clean those things up. 
And so at night, the number one thing, which I'll be doing here in another five minutes, is um, blue light blocking glasses. So blue light blocking glasses have been known and studied uh, on clinical levels at universities for blocking specific wavelengths, specific colors of light at night. So specifically, blue, yellow, and green light are what tell our body that it's daytime to wake up, to produce cortisol, which makes us awake, and to stop producing melatonin, which is a hormone that helps us go to sleep and get the rejuvenating benefits of sleep. So when we get blue light, green light, or yellow light in our eyes at night, that's when our body gets the, a very incorrect signal of what time of day it is. So, so wearing glasses, which you can get your prescription glasses tinted at your eye doctor, there's a specific tint called 550, 550 BPI tint. And of course, you know, Bono wears sunglasses all the time indoors. So um, the theory is wear sunglasses indoors and at night and not sunglasses outdoors during the day for optimal health. So you can either buy a pair of non-prescription blue light blocking glasses or prescription blue light blocking glasses. However, the, there's tons out there. They range from $6 to $180. And there are $6 glasses that are very effective and $180 glasses that are effective. Um, but what you want are glasses that block blue light, green light, and yellow light. And there's not very many of those that you can find. Okay. So the criteria is something that blocks blue light, green light, and yellow light. And the brand, do you have a brand that you recommend or like the best? So if you wear prescription glasses, really the best thing for you to do is go to your optometrist and ask for a 550 BPI tint. That way okay. you don't have to mail, you don't have to mail them. It's local. They'll do that. If you don't wear prescription, the number one um, brand that I like the best is called Ra Optics. So Ra is the sun god in ancient Egypt, R-A, and then Optics. So raoptics.io. They produce the best tinted glasses and the best looking glasses. So that's, um, that's what I wear. So if I'm going to go out at night, I don't want to wear glasses that look awful, mm -hmm. that people are going to you know, look at me strange or comment on. So the glasses I wear from Ra Optics, um, I have never had anyone ever comment on me wearing glasses at night except to ask if they could try them on. Wow. Are these the ones you're wearing right now? Yes. So these are, I've got okay. a pair of raw optics on right now. Uh, they make many different styles. Um, so I picked a style that wraps around my face uh, the most mm -hmm. so that I get no light infiltration around the sides of my glasses. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So cover your eyes. And for night shift workers, that's kind of what the only thing we can do or what else can we do? Yeah, so that would be the number one thing you can do. So number okay. one, you've got to cover your eyes because that's where you get most of the light information. Cover it with glasses that block those frequencies of light. Um, the other thing you can do is you can ask, and it depends on where you work at night. Some people work in front of a computer. Some people work in an office that they can't change anything in. But you want to do two things to your devices. Download software onto your phone that blocks out the blue light on your phone. So when you're looking at your phone at night, the blue light's blocked out. And that's called Twilight. It's called um, Iris Tech. Or if you have an iPhone or an Android, there's built-in brightness settings that block the blue light. Those brightness settings are built in because both uh, Apple and Google know that blue light at night disrupts your circadian rhythm and, and is detrimental to your health. So they built those into their operating systems. However, those um, brightness settings within your phone are actually not very good. They don't block that much blue light. So I would recommend downloading Iris. And Iris is free. 
totally free for the phone, it's free for your laptop, and it's free for your iPad. You can download it for all of those devices and put that on there to block blue light from your devices. So I would do that. The other thing that most people don't think about is our skin is our largest organ, and our skin has light receptors that tell our, every cell in our body has a clock that tells our body what time it is. When we mismanage those clocks and they all have different times, our body gets the wrong information. So if you do work at night, you it sounds silly, but you want to cover your body, as much of your body as possible, with clothing to block out the blue light from hitting your skin. So oftentimes I'll wear a baseball hat and I'll try to cover most of my body. Um, for women, it's very important to cover your thyroid gland. So the thyroid gland, often we get thyroid dysregulation from too much blue light at night. And we're also finding now there's about oh, a handful of papers that are now linking blue light exposure at night to, to um, melasma. And melasma is basically discoloration of the skin and pigmentation of the skin that we thought was from sunlight. It's actually from too much blue light is what study is showing. So covering your skin from the blue light, if you have the opportunity, switch out the light at your workplace. So for me, I work from home. So you might be able to see, I don't, I don't know that you're recording this video for your listeners, but behind me is ultraviolet light. So I have ultraviolet light and in front of me um, is a red light. So at night, if we're exposed to ultraviolet light or red wavelength light, it still tells our body that it's darkness and it doesn't disrupt our circadian biology. So I have switched out my lights for nighttime to be all red or ultraviolet. Uh, and that's what I suggest most people do. And I actually have a, an ultraviolet flashlight, a red flashlight, and a red headlamp if I need to read at night. Sounds kind of silly, but the more I learn about this, the more research I see, the more important it is to both block the blue light at night and supplement with red, infrared, and ultraviolet light that we're missing. Gotcha. Okay, so I have a few follow-up questions. So that is awesome advice. Let's tell everybody where their thyroid is. So ladies, you're going to wear a turtleneck <laughs> or a scarf, right? Uh, scarf. <laughs> yeah, a scarf. A big, thick choker that blocks uh, your entire neck. Okay. And so then the other thing is um, regarding the lights that you put in your house. Are those expensive? Where can we find them? What companies do you recommend? I'm going to have to go back and listen to this and really write down everything because I'm getting such good advice. But tell us a little bit about where you get those lights. Yeah, of course. So um, there's a number of red and infrared lights that you can buy off the shelf because they're called um, healing red lights. They rebuild collagen, reduce wrinkling, reduce photoaging. So people have been using them in spas for years, but they've been very expensive. So now I would say the number one brand that I recommend for a healing red light, which you can also use to light up an entire room at night and read by, is Jemba Red. So it's G-E-M-B-A, red, all one word, dot com. Uh, Andrew Latour is a biohacker. He's also a fellow chemical engineer. And he developed the Jemba Red to be the least expensive red light therapy light that you can buy on the market. So it's usually... I believe it's about $200 for that light where the others are in the $800 to $1,000 range. So still kind of expensive. Uh, but how use, long does it last you? It lasts you a long time, right? It's, I mean, it's LED driven. And so technically those LEDs are rated to last between 10 and 20 years. So it, okay. it really should last a very long time. So I have some of those light panels. They're about a foot by one foot square. 
Um, and again, they'll light up a whole room, but they're not super convenient unless you hang them on the wall somewhere and have a switch. Um, so what I have also done is I've taken out all my LED lights in my house. So I switched to LED because it saves money. But what we didn't understand when everyone switched to LED is it, yes, it saves us money, but it really negatively impacts our health. So I took all the LED lights out because they're not set up for human biology. They're set up to save money only. And I replaced them all with halogen and incandescent. So I went out and bought the kind of illegal incandescent lights that are hard to find. You just buy decorative Edison bulbs and you want clear bulbs. You don't want any coating on them, no white frosting or anything. Um, and you put those, those will affect melatonin, but very minimally. Low watt halogen, most represent sunlight, natural sunlight, can also slightly affect melatonin, but not nearly as much as LED or compact fluorescent. Um, and I've swapped out the bulbs in my bathroom and my bedroom with red LED bulbs from Amazon. So I'll have to look up uh, the name of the company because you can find, if you, if you look up 660 nanometers, so wavelengths of light are just denoted in nanometers. So it's basically a wavelength. The shorter the wavelength, the more intense the energy of the, the light is. So short wavelength light is like blue, uh, violet, purple, and ultraviolet, very short wavelengths, high energy. And then longer wavelengths are like 600 nanometer to 1,000 nanometer, which are red and infrared. So you want a 660 nanometer, which is a red bulb on Amazon. So if you search 660 NM nanometer bulb, you'll find a bunch. They're like 30 or $40. Uh, but there's a specific one I use. It's exact replicate of all those others, but it's about $12. So you can basically replace a couple bulbs in your house for $20 uh, using red light, one in your bedroom, one in your bathroom, perhaps. Um, and you can get those right on Amazon for fairly inexpensive. Wow, that's awesome. So I might have you send me the links to those so I can put them in the show notes and everybody can find that at HaleyRow.com. And the URL is to be determined, but it will be in the the notes for this podcast episode. So um, that's awesome. Okay, so we can change the lights. We can cover our skin. We can wear the glasses. What about other things that we can do that's not related? To, like, let's say we've done some damage. Let's say that maybe I can't wear <laughs> a scarf and glasses during performances. What can I, is there anything I can take supplement-wise um, do the next day to reset my circadian rhythm. And actually, let's backtrack really quick. Before we go into that, please define what our circadian rhythm really means and what circadian disruption is. Of course. So all mammals on the planet, including humans and plants, have a, a cycle that we live our lives by. And each uh, animal or plant has a different type of cycle. Some are active and at night and sleep during the day and others are active during the day and sleep at night. The circadian rhythm is based on the light and dark cycles of the earth. So every 24 hours or maybe a little bit more, the earth goes through a night cycle and a light cycle. And our bodies, for whatever reason, have been designed to take information from that light and send hormones into our body to do specific things. So basically we produce estrogen and testosterone um, and melatonin and cortisol and other hormones, thyroid hormone, etc. All those hormones are produced by the body based on the light environment that we're in. So what circadian rhythm is, is when the body produces those hormones and changes things within the body for growth, for alertness, awakeness, and when the body changes those hormones and shuts them off 
for going to sleep, rejuvenating and doing other things, stopping growth. We don't want to grow all the time. That's cancer. Um, so we need to start growth and stop growth. All of those are set by the light and dark cycles of the sun. And so the human circadian biology, our biology, every cell in our body has clocks in it. And it runs. Our organs, our cells run off those clocks, release hormones, build things, destroy things based on the circadian clock. And that circadian clock is run by one uh, super, it's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, but it's a little structure in the brain and it's connected to the eye. So when the eye perceives a light at a certain type of day, it sets the master clock in the whole body that tells all the other clocks what time it is and what hormones to produce. That's the circadian rhythm. And last year, the Nobel Prize was given out in science for circadian biology and its impact to human health. So it's a really big deal. It's very um, in right now in the research field because we're just learning all these new things about light, biology, and how we optimally function. Got it. I'm sorry, I was on mute for a second, so we didn't get any echoing. Um, okay, so back to the question of many of us, even if we aren't night shift workers, we have circadian disruption or we're suffering from some kind of issues regarding getting blue light at night or just going to bed at wacky times all over the place. So what can we do if we've already done damage or if we cannot necessarily um, take some of the actions you've mentioned so far? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point is everyone is going to have some some form of circadian disruption unless we're living way out in the middle of the woods and we're only living by the cycles of light, which is extremely hard in our modern environment. And I'll, one of the points, the key point is even 15 seconds of light at night disrupts your circadian rhythm. So, oh no. <laughs> so some people think, oh, you know, I, it's a little past eight, it's nine o'clock. I'm just going to flip on the bathroom light and, you know, whatever you're going to do that, that light that flips on in the middle of the night or at nine or 10 o'clock at night, that will disrupt circadian rhythm within 15 seconds. So even the little LED lights, like on a charging laptop or a charging iPhone, those can disrupt circadian rhythm. So almost all of us are doing something that's disrupting circadian rhythm. And the first thing you want to do is find all those sources of light and try to remove them. Now, if you do disrupt circadian rhythm, how do you fix that, right? So the number one way to fix it, and I would say my number one advice to anybody that wants to be healthy, the best thing that you can do is completely free. Everybody can do it. It's just some people find it harder to do, which is get out in the morning sunlight. So there's just a very, very unique benefit to morning sunlight within one hour of sunrise. I know that's not easy for everyone, and a lot of people don't want to hear that and they want to sleep. But absolutely, the best thing you can do to set your circadian rhythm for the entire day and to build your happiness hormone, dopamine, to build melatonin that you're going to use later in the night, which is the body's master anti-cancer hormone, all of those things are built in morning sunlight. Basically, what we're finding is morning sunlight is nature's vaccine to cancer. And so if, you're, if you have any kind of disruption or dysfunction or mitochondrial disease or cancer, your priority is getting out in the morning sunlight. Okay, I like that. Okay. And what about this whole earthing grounding thing? Does that have anything? What is that, first of all, for people who don't know? And mm -hmm. is there anything that it does for our circadian rhythm? 
So earthing and grounding does a little bit for circadian rhythm, a whole lot to reduce inflammation and give your body more energy. So one of the one of the things of earthing or grounding, so it's kind of called two things, but essentially what you're doing is you are using the earth to put and dump positive charge into and suck negative charge or electrons out of. So anytime we, we call something grounding or earthing, our body builds up positive charge, just like laptops and cars. You know, when you can walk across the carpet and shock somebody, that's discharging positive or static energy out of your body. Positive charge in the body is inflammation and we want to get rid of it. Negative charge in the body is electrons. The more electrons we have, the more energy we have. So some people remember back to biology or physics or science when they were in high school and they talked about the electron transport chain. And that's basically just something that says everything that we eat turns into electrons and those electrons move through our cells to create energy. The more of those electrons we have, the more energy that we're able to produce. And so what we want to do is the earth is the largest center of electrons that we have anywhere around us. And the way that the earth gets electrons is because lightning hits the earth. So lightning hits the earth millions of times every single day. And that's called the Schumann residence is the number of lightning strikes at any given time. Well, when lightning hits the earth, it puts electrons into the earth. And then when we touch the earth barefoot or with our bare hands, we will suck up some of those electrons from the earth and dump our positive charge into the earth and out of our body. So those things are actually giving us energy and they work in synergy. So in conjunction with sunlight. So the photons from sunlight hit the electrons in our body and give them information and give them energy. They, they move them quicker. They spin them in certain ways. And that allows our body to, pr to produce energy. And something that I never knew before that I found fascinating is if you are in sunlight and grounded, you essentially can produce two-thirds of your body's daily energy need from sunlight. So that would mean if you hear people say, well, I don't need to eat as much food in the summer, the more light you absorb and the more light you get, the less food you need to eat. Fascinating. So what do we do in the winter? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen to some of the, the very popular doctors who know the most about this kind of thing, they will tell you to move south. Um, you live in Chicago. I live in the northern states as well in Minnesota. So uh, I am not going to be moving south. But what do we do? And that's something I've been working on for the last two years. So the number one thing you can do is still get outside for morning sunlight at dawn. So dawn is going to shift. The time of the sunrise shifts all throughout the year. But if you can find an ideal time to get outside at sunrise or any time during the day, the more you get outside, the more light you're going to absorb at any time of the day. Sunset also works. It's not as beneficial as sunrise, but it works. Um, but anytime you get out during the day. So northern climates, during the winter, get out as much as possible. So skiing, snowshoeing, hiking, all those things in the winter make a really big difference in your health, believe it or not. If you take off the sunglasses, the goggles, the glasses, the contacts, you cannot absorb the light through all those things. Oh, man, even contacts? Oh, no. Even contacts. So they, they will tell you um, as often as possible, don't, don't wear those outside. If you wear glasses, pull them down on your face and look up and you'll absorb as much light as you can through your eyes. But those lenses will block ultraviolet light that we need to be absorbing. So number one thing is just continue to get outside. Number two is using supplemental light if you're going to stay in a northern climate. 
So the way you supplement light is two ways. Go down south for vacations twice during the winter for a minimum of three days and absorb a bunch of light from that. And that can be enough to give you a six to eight weeks of additional light that you've absorbed from that time down south. If you can't do that, we supplement light with basically artificial lighting, but of the right type. So what I do is I have a setup at home in the morning. So in the morning, just like morning sun, morning sun has red and infrared, but no ultraviolet. So in the morning, you can, I'm not going to tell you to do this, but I stare directly at the sun. There's no ultraviolet light in it. Um, and so what I do is I set up a light therapy machine. So it's one of those one, one foot by one foot light panels that has red and infrared light. And I stand in front of that in the morning. I do Qigong or yoga or something in front of that for about 15 minutes in the morning to absorb red and infrared. Then when I'm at my desk working, I have on like a tanning light. So you can go to a tanning salon and or at your gym and use the tanning bed three or four times a week to absorb ultraviolet light that you're not getting in the winter. And ultraviolet B, which is the one that gives you vitamin D in your skin. So I have a vitamin D light, an ultraviolet A tanning light, and a red and infrared light that I use. If you don't have any of those, you can pick up a cheap red light on Amazon for $12 and go use a tanning bed. Okay. And what about the whole tanning bed? Is that a misconception that it's bad for our skin? Tell me more about what should we be concerned? Should we go for it? What do you think on that? So I'm not a medical doctor. Um, right. but my, my personal opinion and based on everything that I've read and learned, tanning beds are not unhealthy. Um, in fact, you know, Dr. Mercola even used to sell tanning beds because they were so healthy for people to use in the winter. The, if you want to really geek out on tanning beds, you want to use um, a very low EMF. So tanning beds give off electric frequency, magnetic frequency, and some of those frequencies change some of our cells in our body. So the lowest kind of emitting tanning bed and one that uses a higher concentration of UVB, ultraviolet B bulbs. Those ultraviolet B bulbs give you the vitamin D in your skin. Ultraviolet A is what changes the color of your skin, and we need that, but we also need the ultraviolet B. So you want a bed that combines A and B from the ultraviolet and has the lowest, uh, they call it EMF, possible. So if you can ask around to find those, that's ideal. But really, if you can find any tanning bed and that's all you can find, I would use it to absorb the ultraviolet and I would use a sauna if you don't have a red light device. Um, so any kind of a sauna, wet sauna, dry sauna, infrared sauna, all of those allow your body to absorb infrared light that we're also missing during the winter. Okay. It's, okay, so we get infrared light from where? Remind me again. So infrared light, so the sun has 42% infrared light that okay. it always puts out. So we always absorb infrared light from sun, but infrared light uh, near infrared is invisible. Mid and far infrared is invisible, but near infrared is both invisible and you can't feel it. It doesn't heat you up. Mid infrared and far infrared heat your body up. So that's from a fire, from an incandescent light bulb, that heat you feel is far and mid infrared light that's heating you up. So we get infrared light from fire. So the more time you spend in front of a fire, the better. You'll get infrared light from fire. Um, so firelight, sauna, um, red light therapy devices, and tanning beds are all places where you can get red, infrared, ultraviolet light. 
Cool. Okay, so we've gone over some things you can do to your environment, aka changing your light bulbs, wearing your blue light blocking glasses, um, what you're wearing. We've talked a little bit about getting morning sunlight at dawn, if you can, getting outside as much as possible, what to do in the winter. So tell us, is there anything else as far as, like, let's say I um, don't notice, because I think the problem with this is, and why it's not being talked about as much, is because it's such a slow, it's one of those things where we don't see the direct issues, like we don't, it's not like where you are inactive and overeating and you get fat. It's like we have this light exposure every single day. We don't really see that much negative impact on a daily basis, right? So how do we get ourselves to be in tune with our body and and what are the, like, I guess what are the long-term, you said cancer, but tell us a little bit more about the long-term problems we might face. Yeah, So so basically without getting the right type of light and with getting too much of the wrong type of light, you're setting yourself up for mitochondrial dysfunction. Mitochondrial dysfunction presents itself in obesity, heart disease, diabetes, cancer. Uh, oh man, there's many, many others. So there's tons of diseases that you can get from having mitochondrial dysfunction and all mitochondria functions optimally based on the correct information. And that information comes from light. So really when people think, you may not feel the effects of uh, getting the wrong type of light or the beneficial effects of the right type of light. I tend to disagree. And I have actually felt beneficial and negative effects from the right type of light and the wrong type of light. And once you understand what those effects are and you try it for yourself, you will notice a difference. So I guarantee anybody that goes and stands outside at sunrise for the next month is going to feel a major difference in their life and their health. Um, it's something you can definitely feel. Now, um, one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with is weight gain or wanting to lose weight. And that is 100% related to light. So for instance, you can be eating far more sugar, carbohydrates, fruit during the summer under the strong light environment because our body is designed to understand that it's summer and we make use of high carbohydrate foods. And that actually benefits us to do that. Whereas in the winter in a northern climate, if you're on the equator, it's a different story. But in a northern climate in the winter, eating high carbohydrate foods, you will feel a very big difference and you will gain more weight versus eating more ketogenic during the winter. So those are things with understanding the light and making use of the light. You can understand how to set up your eating patterns to either gain weight, lose weight, um, lose fat, gain fat, et cetera as well as gaining muscle and losing muscle. So I think those are things you can feel, but also things like fatigue and happiness. So if you're building dopamine in morning sunlight, dopamine is the happiness hormone. So the more morning sunlight you're getting, oftentimes the more dopamine you'll have and the happier your life will be. And those are immediate effects that you can feel. Whereas if you're constantly working on night shift and not getting out in the sunlight, you tend to have higher anxiety, social anxiety, general anxiety, and depression. Okay, got it. Thank you for clarifying. I like that there are some immediate benefits that you can see. And I mean, I've also noticed when I get outside more, obviously, it's a mood booster. And and the keto diet, um, for people who are wondering what that is when he mentioned it, uh, you can go to HaleyRow.com slash keto 
hyphen diet. And there's a whole podcast on that. Um, so, okay, now I have to shift gears a little bit to EMFs um, because they're, they stand for electromagnetic fields and they're given off by our technology. And you said that this is a form of light that's also not good for us. Ooh, the red light's going on for people who can't see the video. He just turned on his red light. Um, anyways, so regarding EMFs, uh, where do we get the most of them and what can we start to do to protect ourselves? Right. So um, one of the things that people aren't thinking about are EMF. And what when I say EMF, I mean what's considered non-native EMF. So native EMF is like our earth, our sun, plants, and humans give off electromagnetic frequencies. And those are all things we've been designed to use forever. Human-made EMF, called non-native EMF, are things from cell phones. So there's signals from cell phones, from Wi-Fi, from radio towers and from the electricity that we wire our homes with. Those things all have an effect on our biology, and most people have no idea that they affect us. And again, if you remember, I told you all light is information, and the body uses light information to do very specific things. So when we give the body a whole bunch of light information from microwave radiation, from Wi-Fi, the body gets very confused. So where are the worst offenders of EMF, and what do they do? So high amounts of EMF, can cause mitochondrial dysfunction because you're giving your body the wrong information. So that can, of course, lead to cancer, heart disease, and other things. There's many studies showing exactly the mechanism that these work by, and it's still being studied and fleshed out. But we have proven the link now between EMF and how it affects the body. The worst sources are typically the sources within your house and your control. So some people think, well, it's cell towers. And there's nothing I can do about it. Well, there are things you can do about that. But that's not the biggest source of EMF in your home. The, usually the biggest source is the Wi-Fi router in your house. So everybody wants Wi-Fi so they can use their devices in every room, get Netflix on their television, and you know watch Hulu or whatever it is. All that's great, um, but that is the major source of EMF in the workplace and in the home that people are exposing their bodies to. And we're putting more and more and stronger and stronger Wi-Fi everywhere we go. So it's going into the car. It's going into the train, it's going into the airplanes, our workplaces, and our homes. I think that's the number one thing that most people are affected by, besides microwave radiation from cell phones. So if you put your cell phone in your pocket or in your bra strap or wherever you put it, and it's not on airplane mode, you it's proven that you are bombarding yourself with too high of microwave radiation. So those are, I would say those are the two sources that everybody does wrong. Um, you can easily do some things to fix those. Um, but if you even, I mean, I don't, they don't send a user's manual with an iPhone or an Android phone anymore. But if you go online and read the manual, the manual for the iPhone tells you never to touch it to your body. So that includes holding it to your ear to do a phone call. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. So a few follow-up questions there. So first, um, regarding the Wi-Fi and how how far away is the reach? Do you know? I mean, for a Wi-Fi router, like... Yeah. So that's, that's um, there's two things to that. It's fairly simple to figure out the reach. Um, but what else, what I'll tell the audience is that there's something, it's kind of, it's got a technical term, but it's called the inverse square law, which means for every foot you move away from the router, the effect of the EMF or the radiation drops 
significantly. So it drops about 10 times for every foot. So if you move a foot away, it drops 10 times in the amount that reaches you. So the further away you can get from your cell phone when you're using it or a Wi-Fi router, the less impact it will have. Now to tell how far away you need to go, all you have to do is turn the Wi-Fi on on your phone and start walking away. And when you can no longer get a signal to your Wi-Fi router, that's how far the signal reaches. For me, my Wi-Fi router is in the living room and I can reach that signal all the way out in my garage, which is half a football field. And then if you look at your, at your laptop or your cell phone Wi-Fi in your apartment or your home, look at how many other Wi-Fi signals you're getting. So your neighbor's Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi from the coffee shop, every one of those signals is reaching you wherever you are. And at night when we sleep, we're supposed to rejuvenate and that's supposed to be our sanctuary. It's the one time of day when all our cells can rejuvenate and get better. And if we're continuously bombarding ourselves with microwaves and Wi-Fi at night, it does never. It just never gives us the opportunity to rejuvenate and benefit from the sleep. Okay, so yikes. Um, what do we do? Let's say you are somebody who lives in an apartment with um, smart meter or something where you can't immediately get it taken out. What does somebody do to counteract? Because I know you said there's some things we can do to somewhat help if we yep. can't turn it off or get rid of it. For sure. So of course, the number one thing is, uh, so I've got something on Amazon called a zap. It's like ZAP. And basically, I plug my router into it. And it has a remote control. So I go up to my bedroom at night, and I turn I turn a button on the remote control, it turns off my Wi Fi at night, I hit a button when I wake up, it turns it back on. Some people are super extreme, and they never have their Wi Fi on they hardwire everything. Um, so if you are able turn your cell phone in airplane mode at night, turn off your Wi Fi router at night, some people live in apartments. And again, you mentioned, a smart meter, so a smart meter is a utility meter, like a water meter or a gas meter, that has constant microwave radiation coming out of it, so it can talk to, communicate to the water company and tell it the usage of water at any given second. That constantly pulses microwave radiation into us. We can't turn those off. Um, we also can't turn off our neighbor's uh, Wi-Fi router. So what do we do? Lots of stuff you can do. Most of it is not terribly cheap. Um, that's the unfortunate part. So the number one thing you can do is, is make yourself better and healthier by getting out in morning sunlight and grounding and reducing all the sources you can. That's the number one is build up your charge so that when you're bombard bombarded by other charges, they're less impactful to you. Now, over time, that will be hard to maintain as we build out more of the 5G internet space um, and 5G wireless space. So the things you can do, there's a ton, but you can start with your mattress. So you can use something called a magnetico mattress. It's a mattress that goes under your normal mattress. So you lift up your mattress, you put this other mattress underneath it, it's very thin, maybe an inch, and that's filled with magnets. And it creates a static, which means not moving, magnetic field above the bed where you sleep. So you are basically sleeping in a field of magnets that tells you it represents the Earth's magnetic field and any radiation bombarding you from the outside, cell radiation, microwave radiation, whatever it is, um, should not be taken up by your body and used because that static field under your mattress is so strong. So that's one thing that people think can prevent uh, negative effects from other sources of radiation at night. So a magnetical mattress is one. The other would be to shield a smart meter. So if you can find a smart meter, 
in your home or apartment, you can cover it with a special shield. You can go on Amazon. They're like $60 to buy a little shield. It's a screen. And basically, it will direct the field coming out of that um, smart meter away from you. You can build your own for $20 using kind of like reflective tape and other things as well. You can look those up on YouTube or the internet on how to build a basically a smart meter reflector. Um, so you can do that. There's other things that you can do, such as trying to mitigate any non-native EMF coming into your bedroom. And the only ways I know to do that are two. Um, actually, there's three. One would be to rip out your drywall and put in drywall that's lined with lead or sprayed with lead, which seems really odd, but lead will block all of those signals. Um, maybe not the healthiest thing to do, but people are buying lead-coated drywall to block those signals. That's one. The second would be to paint your house with an EMF-blocking paint. So all you have to do is paint all your walls. You'd still have to cover your windows, but paint your walls with an EMF-blocking paint. Again, the only paint that I know that does that and does it well is maybe $1,000 for your bedroom. That'll block the signals. And then the final way is to, they, they make these EMF canopies, EMF blocking canopies. It's basically a piece of fabric. You suspend it from your ceiling, it covers your bed. So it's sort of like the 18th century um, gauze that covered the big four poster beds. It's like that coming down from the ceiling, but it blocks all the signals coming into your bed where you sleep. Again, those are between $800 and $1,200. So none of these things are very cheap. Um, but if you are spending a third of your life sleeping, and that's the only time that you can block these signals and detox, then it might be worth spending as much money as you can afford to do so. Ooh, wow. Good good way to put it. And regarding the canopy, do they like do they have a way to prove that it works? Do they test they have a Wi-Fi tester or something? Yeah, so um I you can buy your own testers, your own meters. They call them uh, meters, and you can test electric fields, magnetic fields, and microwave radiation from Wi-Fi, or I'm sorry, from cell radiation. You can test Wi-Fi radiation. So they make different meters for all of those types of signals. I have, an, I have all of those, um, and a number of biohackers now have those meters so we can test our environment. You don't want to do any of these things without testing. Um, there's also body voltage meters. If your body is increasing in voltage, that's positive charge, that's bad. So when you can test your own body to see if it's actually dumping charge and not taking on charge, um, that will tell you if you're blocking. So you basically can take these meters inside the canopy and test if there's any radiation getting in there. Um, so that is absolutely the best way that you can do it. Those canopies are tested. Um, I don't represent any of those companies. I don't even know what any of those companies are called. Um, but you can go to a, a website called lessemf.com. They have every bit of EMF blocking technology on there, and they show the tests that they use um, to prove that they work. And you can you can buy a cheap meter for $100 and prove it to yourself as well. Okay, so lessemf.com. That sounds good. And regarding the, the one thing I didn't know, and one follow-up question, I'm all over the place. Um, regarding the glasses, when do you put those on to block the blue light? So like you want to be, yep, you want to be blocked. Well, I wouldn't say when it's dark. I would say when the sun sets. Okay. So once it. the sun sets, it, ch it changes all throughout the year. So in the winter, you're going to be putting those things on at 4.30. Uh, in the summer, you might be putting them on at 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. Gotcha. Okay. And how can we, what do you think about molecular hydrogen? Because I've heard of, and I've been listening to Dr. Mercola a little bit on this topic of EMFs. 
And he's mentioned, oh, like your electric toothbrush gives off EMF and it's in your mouth and that's a very valid concern. And I'm, so I keep learning these little tidbits and I'm always just like, oh, crap. Um, so what do you think about molecular hydrogen? Because he was mentioning that molecular hydrogen helps with with clearing up, I don't know, the free radicals from, tell me yep. more about that. Yeah, you seem to, you, you've got it. Uh, so that that's kind of funny because I heard Dr. Mercola say the same thing about hidden sources of EMF, the, the most EMF comes from inside your house. And someone was like, oh, it's the electric toothbrush. And I thought that was ridiculous. And I have one. I've got two. I've got a Sonicare and, and an Oral-B. And so I'm like using it every night. And I've got all the meters. So I thought, hey, I'm going to test this. And it was off the charts high in EMF. So the meter was maxed out for my electric toothbrush, which is in my mouth, near my brain. Um, I had no idea that that would be the case. So I was super surprised. Um, but yes, that's totally true. Um, Whoa. And so I don't know if the, the benefit of using those, because they do a really great job cleaning your teeth, if the benefit of that um, is outweighed by the risk of the EMF. I, I don't know yet. However, for molecular, molecular hydrogen, yes. Um, what's happening when we're exposed to EMF, or one of the things that's happening, is we're creating a lot of free radicals in our cells. Free radicals are inflammation. And too much free radical will kill the cell or set it up to cause cancer. And so we want to get rid of free radicals or reactive oxygen species, ROS, they call it. Molecular hydrogen, supposedly, from the research we've seen so far, is the body's number one um, best antioxidant. So I would say, like, glutathione is the body's master antioxidant that it produces itself. Hydrogen or molecular hydrogen is kind of nature's number one antioxidant that we get from outside the body. So our body produces a number of free of um, antioxidants that gets rid of free radicals, and then we can get some from nature. There's a number of theories as to why hydrogen is so good, but essentially you can you can take little tablets and put them into water, and they dissolve in water and create hydrogen gas in the water. Then you can drink that water and put hydrogen gas into your body. Uh, or you can buy machines that make hydrogen gas and either drink the water or breathe it directly in. And there's a number of companies that make those now. Some have higher concentrations of hydrogen than others. But essentially, that hydrogen is <clears throat> excuse me, going into the cells and removing the free radicals. So Dr. Mercola likes to use it when he flies on airplanes. So the flying on airplanes is very damaging, creates a lot of free radicals in the body. He uses it very often when he flies. What you do not want to do is drink it all the time because you want to pulse the hydrogen into your body rather than have a steady stream of it going into your body. And supposedly that pulsing of hydrogen is much more tolerated by the body to clean up the free radicals that our cells are creating and that those free radicals can happen for a number of reasons. And one of those reasons is being exposed to EMF. Okay. So do you mean taking like putting our tablets in the water, like letting it get all fizzy and then slowly drinking that? Or am I missing? Drink it all at drink, once. So you oh, drink, drink it all at once. But you're saying you want to pull, you want to slow so down. What you, don't, you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to be drinking like glass after glass after glass after glass of hydrogen water. You don't want to drink a glass. Let's say if you're going to max it out, like maybe drink a glass every hour or every two hours. But if you drank a glass like every 20 minutes, then it would not be as effective as if you put a big pulse of it in and let it go away and then another big pulse later. You don't want to have the hydrogen going in all the time. You want it to go in all at once 
um, and then nothing, and then all at once, and then nothing. Got it. Okay. And do you have a brand you like for that? So there's a number of brands that I've used. Uh, what I have read and what seems to be the case right now is the Trusi brand. So T-R-U-S-I-I, Trusi. They have the highest concentration of hydrogen in the tablets that they make. And I believe their tablets can be dissolved in a cup of water where other companies' tablets have to be sealed in a plastic bottle so the hydrogen doesn't leak out of the water. Um, so just based on the fact of the the higher level of hydrogen from Trusi, those are the ones so far um, that I've heard are the best. So I've only used three different brands. I don't know that I feel a difference from it, from any of them. It's doing something great, just like taking a multivitamin, um, but you may not like notice the effects immediately. I just think the more hydrogen we can get into our body at once, the better. Okay. Wow. So this is great. And the reason why I'm asking you for all these brand recommendations, I never really do that for most guests, but it's because I know you care about quality and I know you research this stuff and you even uh, have your own line of supplements that you just started. Isn't that right? With um, your partner? Yep. So under our our business is called uh, Primal Hacker and uh, my partner is Chris James, who is also one of the first Bulletproof coaches in the Bulletproof Coach and Human Potential Training so he and I have been partnered for three years, and we have two blogs, Eris Fit and Primal Hacker, and we give out tons of free information about what we learned. That's how we started. We started our blog to give out all this research and information that we've been doing for years um, to help other people. Just two months ago, we launched our own supplements. So we're at the very beginning, and we're just trying to launch supplements that we feel are missing in the marketplace that benefit people. Our main goal is don't use any supplements. So we don't feel anybody should use supplements. You should get outside in the sun. You should drink clean water, eat clean food, and live by the sun and by the cycles of the earth. Almost none of us can do that today. And so we've got to have the right type of supplements at the right time and as few as possible to be optimally healthy. So yep, we created um, two supplements. We've got five more on the back burner that we're trying to get into the marketplace that we feel are either completely missing that people need um, or aren't being done well and we feel we could have done them better. So that's, we've got um, a glutathione PQQ and CoQ10 product, which is essentially the body's master antioxidant that it makes, but most people are deficient in that. Nobody really understands why we're not making enough yet. Um, So we make a product that contains both that master antioxidant and heavy metal detoxifier, um, as well as PQQ, which grows new mitochondria, or at least has been shown to grow new mitochondria, which are the energy powerhouses of our cells, and CoQ10, which increases the efficiency of the mitochondria. So if you have more energy producers and they work better, you have more energy. And then if you're detoxifying your cells, you're staying more optimally healthy. And the version that we created uh, is more bioavailable than any other version that we have been able to find. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And I just am curious as we're getting towards the end here, um, what, please rank your priorities regarding health that you would recommend for people who are just the standard everyday people who need to improve their health, like rank in order what you would focus on. And by that, I mean, like, for example, nutrition is number one, you know, sunlight and, and preventing yourself from EMFs, whatever, you know, you get the picture. Yep. (laughs) Yes, I would say um, 
it's probably no surprise, but number one is sunlight. So the more we learn about the human body, the more sunlight trumps food, trumps movement, trumps everything. Um, so if you want to be optimally healthy and if you want to improve your health the fastest and the longest sunlight, getting as much natural sunlight on your body as possible is my ultimate number one. It's totally free. Anybody can do it. If you work a full-time job, find a way to get outside, take smoke breaks. Even if you don't smoke, you can get outside for a few minutes during the day. That will improve your health, um, believe it or not. So work near a window if you can, um, natural light, et cetera. So sunlight, number one. Um, my number two changes based on the information that I have. But as of this time, I, my number two is basically what I call tribe or social relationships. So having a really good group of friends, associates, acquaintances that you keep near you, um, whether that's one person or five people or 10 people, is a predictor of longevity and health. So I would say first light, then your relationships, then movement, and then food last. So food and nutrition is dead last for me. It's not unimportant, um, but it's the last thing I would focus on. You're going to make a lot of people very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And can you walk, because let's get this straight. You are not just like a forest man coming, <laughs> you know, to do this interview and living a life by yourself with not, you know, you have a family, you um, are a busy entrepreneur, you have another full-time job, if I'm correct, that you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. And you are writing blogs and doing a lot of things. So can you tell us, can you walk us through a day uh, in the life of your, of you and how you kind of biohack your health all day long, even though you're busy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have three full-time jobs. Um, so I, I am an entrepreneur, which is a very more than full-time effort. So I work nights, weekends, um, and I have a, a full-time corporate job where I manage a group of people at the corporation. And then I own and control rental properties and then I have kids. So there's lots of full-time jobs in there. Um, and all of them require a lot of uh, focus and commitment. So I have a, it, it may seem like a lot of things that I do, but over time I've added these things into my day and they're just natural. So um, the main way that I find I'm able to complete all that is to stay very focused and to have sets of routines that I follow every day. So my routine is to get up at dawn. So somewhere within 30 minutes of the sun rising, all throughout the year, I'm going to get up. And so right now it's summer. So I'm going to go outside, find the sun. So we're, if the sun doesn't shine right at, at my house at dawn. So I have to ride my bike four blocks. I ride my bike four blocks. I stand in the sun barefoot on the earth with as few clothes as possible. And I practice uh, Chinese Qigong. So it's an energy practice. It's basically Qi um, practice, but it's a base, it's a basically a moving meditation. So my meditation in the morning is 15 to 20 minutes of Qigong, standing barefoot, half naked in the sunlight. Um, and I just do that in the, the baseball field down the road from my house. So, you know, I live in a, a downtown neighborhood. Um, so I just, I do that. I don't worry about what people think. And then I get my kids breakfast. I get them out the door for school or whatever activities they're going to that day. And then I will take my supplements. I'll have some tea. I used to do Bulletproof coffee add a whole bunch of things to it. I've taken a break for the last couple months and I do tea. So green tea, 
Um, is and there, I, oh, sorry, I'm going to pause. Uh, what are the supplements and what is there a reason why you switched to tea? There's um, no great reason I switched to tea, except that I was just sick of drinking coffee for a little while. So I would recommend to everybody to cycle your caffeine. So if you are a caffeine drinker, to go off it for at least a week every couple months. Um, and I just haven't felt like having coffee for the last two months. So I've been on green tea, which is fine. Um, so I do the green tea and all the supplements. Uh, there's a core set of supplements that I use. And then there's experimental things that I do. So um, doing what I do, I am sent lots of supplements, a lot of nootropics. So nootropics are considered things like smart drugs or things that enhance your mental performance. Um, I will go weeks and months without taking any of them, but I always have a stack of those for me to try out. And then a stack of other nootropics or smart drugs that are my go-to that I can always use for creativity. So um, Qualia is the... Uh, uh, brand by Neurohacker Collective. Neurohacker makes Qualia and Qualia Mind, which are two types of nootropics that I have been using for three years or so. I get a really good benefit from. There's a lot of neurovitamins and minerals, adaptogenic herbs, um, and nootropics built into those stacks. So I really like those. I use them whenever I feel like I really need to be mentally firing on all cylinders or very creative. Otherwise, I try out all sorts of nootropics that people send me just to see if they work well. Uh, but typically every day I'm using um, maca, creatine monohydrate, uh, some adaptogenic Chinese herb of some sort, ashwagandha uh, or genostema or something else, and some sort of mushroom, like a lion's mane mushroom or a reishi mushroom. Those are my go-to. There's a few other things that I'll use um, to mitigate some of the EMF and to help with other things. There's lithium orotate, which is a really good um, supplement for many people to use for multiple reasons, zinc and copper, um, and a number of others. So I, there's, there's probably a stack of 40 supplements behind me here um, and a whole bunch more in front of me at my desk that I've been you know, sent to try out. So it, it varies every day, but I try to stick with L-theanine, creatine monohydrate, maca, some sort of mushroom, and some kind of a nootropic typically. Okay, awesome. So you take your supplements, resume the day of Thaddeus. Yeah, so um, for me, it's doing this. So just what you see or hear here, um, my full-time job is during the day. So I stand in front of a computer screen all day long and talk on the phone, do emails. So the way that I manage this is during the summer, for at least three hours, I move outdoors. So I take everything with me. I use Wi-Fi. And I sit outdoors, grounded, in the sun, and I do all my phone calls, meetings, and work outside. Then I come inside for the other part of the day. And I work um, with, I've got five windows surrounding me here. So I open the windows, and I have no artificial lights on whatsoever except for the things coming from my computer screen. I'm using Iris Tech on my computer screen. So it's taking out all the blue light from my computer screen. And then I basically work until lunchtime. At lunchtime, I'm going to get outside with as few clothes as possible to get as much sun as I can. And I'll either uh, get in a kettlebell workout outside in the sun. So, of course, another recommendation of mine is if at all possible, don't work out in a gym. Get outside under natural light if, if you're able to. Um, so I work out outdoors with kettlebells or I shoot archery right outside my door. So that's kind of my lunchtime routine. Finish up work for the day around three or four. 
And then I hang out with my kids for a bit, usually outside. So we'll kayak, canoe, swim. So I like to get out in the water, swim in the river. And usually by four o'clock, then I try to eat dinner. So what I find is I do best with fasting. So we've a lot of people are talking about inter intermittent fasting, 24-hour fasting, three-day fasting. I find for me, intermittent fasting works best at night. So I like to eat three meals a day, and I like to eat breakfast. Supposedly, breakfast helps set your circadian rhythm. Um, so does the morning sunlight. So I like to eat breakfast, and then I try to have my last meal of the day around 4 or 4.30, and I don't eat again until 8 or 9 the next day if possible. So that gives me my kind of intermittent fasting window, but still allows me to have three meals a day. Um, so I usually wind down with my kids and dinner and everything around five or six, read some books. And when they go to bed, I start, you know, writing my blog posts and I'm using ultraviolet light and red light. Once the sun sets, my blue blockers come on when the sun sets, uh, the blue light dimmers on my screen go even dimmer. So I sometimes I'll dial out all the blue light, which looks really weird um, on my computer screen. Iris allows you to do that. So everything looks red. So I can't do any high uh, intense color work like with photos or anything. Um, but then I work on writing blog posts, doing a ton of research, reading. And usually my routine before bed is to shut down all the technology, use only ultraviolet and red, no other lights, and to uh, read a paper book or meditate before bed. Wow. That is a jam-packed day. Now, do you ever – what time do you go to bed usually? Uh, ideally, I'm going to bed at 9.30. I'm sleeping by 10. Um, I tend to stick to that schedule pretty well. So the latest I tend to stay up is 10.30 or 11. Um, but I am always in bed by 9.30 or 10. I'm never staying up past that. My body, because of the morning sunlight and the circadian rhythm that it's on, it just shuts down when it gets wow. dark. Um, okay. So for sure. So I, I, even if I've got a ton to do on my business, I'm just going to go to bed because sleep is one of those number one things that benefits your health, um, sunlight, sleep, and then social. And if I don't get enough sleep, then I'm not as effective the next day. Excellent. Okay. So a lot of good things in there, meditation, movement, getting outside with your work, and just finding the ways to squeeze those in. And I think that you're a great example for people who are saying, oh, I'm too busy to start including these things into my day or to start changing the light bulbs in my house. No, you can do it. Thaddeus has three jobs and he's a dad. So I actually would like to, when this goes out, to challenge myself and my listeners to really start implementing some of the things that you mentioned here, whether that's just the free getting out in the sun as much as you can, going to a tanning bed. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that people can pick and choose to do that can really help them. So I really appreciate your advice. And this was a value-packed episode. Can you still hear me? Okay, good. Okay, so why don't we wrap up with any final piece of advice when it comes to behavioral change and creating these habits, getting us to turn this information into implementation? What would you suggest? Yeah, I think um, really the number one thing is is not trying to do everything all at once. So I have a lot of things that I do that I've built over many years. And um, some people try to do everything at once and fail and give up. So I would say pick one thing. And to me, you can either 
buy a pair of blue, blue light, blue light blocking glasses and block blue light at night. Very simple, very easy to change. Get a pair that you really look good in so you will wear them. And I'm telling you, like I, for my job and my business, I travel all over the country and I travel two to three weeks a month. So I'm eating out sometimes or at least shopping at the grocery store. Nobody has ever made fun of me for wearing sunglasses at night. And like I said, the only comments I will get are people wanting to try them on. So if you get a pair that you feel comfortable in and look good in, you will wear them. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Um, those help. If you're at home watching TV at night, if you choose to do that, wear the glasses. Just pick one thing. So I would say pick something like blocking blue light at night, changing out your light bulbs from LEDs to back to incandescent, or find a way, any way to get more sunlight into your life. And I guarantee you that's going to make a difference. Cool. I'm really excited. I need to take more of these actions and I've done some of them, but I've, I'm, you know, I'm all about also creating one change at a time and not, you know, overwhelming myself because I know I won't stick to it. So I'm excited to get consistent with one thing at a time. And, um, yeah, so you'll probably see that on my social media at some point as I'm doing these little tweaks. So thank you so much. And where can our listeners connect with you? I know you mentioned earlier Primal Hacker, but give it to us one more time. Yeah, uh, primalhacker.com, erisfit, E-R-I-S-F-I-T. So erisfit.com is the first blog we started, um, or Primal Hacker on Instagram. So Instagram is probably our most active channel. If you want to get really um, a deep dive into our research, all the work that we've done, our recommendations, you would go to our, our blog, which is primalhacker.com for that. But if you want to follow our everyday advice and what we're up to, Instagram is the place that we're most active. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Haley. This was a lot of fun. Want to hear more shows? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Get your free habits guide at HaleyRowe.com. And remember that any advice given on the show does not substitute for medical advice from your healthcare professional. Talk to you guys soon.